Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards. Uh, Happy New Year. This is the first podcast of 2021. And this is our latest look at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League. And coming up, reading a kick to the Kirby as Fran bags four. Leicester blunt the blades as they stay top of the championship. Plus, COVID rule breakers and coin tossers. And joining me to discuss all this and more is former FA and Aston Villa media officer Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Hi, Luke. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. And also... Uh, freelance journalist and women football fans, Liv Griffiths and Hannah Mendelssohn. Hi, girls. Hello. Hi, Luke. UK. I'm very well, thank you. And finally, our special guest this week is Portsmouth FC's Jade Widows. Hi, Jade. Uh, how are you doing? Good, cheers. Jade will be talking more about the non-elitism in, in football later on and also the strange decisions uh, potentially taking place in the Women's FA Cup. But first, the only game in the WSL was a comprehensive 5-0 win for Chelsea at Reading. And it was a Frank Kirby show where she scored four out of five goals. And what a start to 2021 for her, girls. 100% Luke. I mean, it was an absolutely phenomenal performance, wasn't it? And it's something that I know we spoke about just prior to Christmas, about the way she was playing the way she was linking up with Sam Kerr and just general, generally how she was coming back to form and also coming back to fitness as well after, you know, the illness that she suffered. So, yeah, an absolutely outstanding display. She could have had more as well, which is the crazy thing. And, yeah, brilliant player and what a way to start the year. And I think as well, the fact that it was the only game that took place in the top flight probably drew even more attention than, than something like that would normally get. Yeah, it was a good warm-up for Chelsea, wasn't it? They take on Manchester United next week as well in what's a massive fixture. Definitely. I mean, that. I think we've all been looking at that, haven't we, for a while anyway. But I think even more so now after that from Chelsea today because Reading can be a difficult opponent. We've seen that throughout the season. They... You know, they can put in some good displays, but they made pretty light work of that today. And, and as you say, that game next weekend is pretty, pretty mouthwatering. Yeah, I mean, do you think it's Chelsea's sort of last chance to maybe catch Man United? Yeah, they are. We have spoken about it on a podcast before, haven't we, um, Liv, where we say Chelsea, maybe United's um, closest challenges. But if United can win that, then is it almost game over? No, not, not at all. Not at this point. I mean, we have to remember that Chelsea have also got a game in hand and they're unbeaten as well. So even though next week is a pivotal moment, um, I don't think either team will be out of it, no matter what the score is. Chelsea were very dominant again today. Um, nobody likes an ex coming out of nowhere like Frank Kirby did to Reading today, but uh, she was just phenomenal. And like Emily said, it's so good to see that link up between Sam Kerr and herself. You know, if it's not Sam Kerr scoring the goals, it's her setting them up for Fran. They're like the Kane and the Son for the Women's Super League at the moment. It was just a joy to watch. Anna, for Reading, that's a massive blow for them. They, were, they, they had a decent end to 2021, but not the start. Sorry. They had a decent end to 2020, but not the start they would have wanted to 2021. Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of the same story that we've been seeing week in, week out for a little while with Reading, where they just can't get a win. They can't get the goals that they need. And so definitely today will have been really disappointing for them. I mean, they've like really previously, like they've held their own in a lot of matches. But today, Fran Kirby was just too, too good for them. Now, it was the only game in the WSL and uh, there was... Most of the matches were called off due to COVID, and there was a lot of there's been a lot of chat, hasn't there, about COVID breaches. A lot of players from Arsenal, Manchester City, went off to Dubai over the winter break, and a lot of them have come back and tested positive. Man United also sent players over there, and all players went back to their own countries. 
They were all tested, came back negative. Casey Stone has since come out and said it was probably a mistake. It doesn't look good for the image. I mean, what do you make it all, uh, of it all? Was it a bit um, ill-judged by the clubs and the players? I mean, I'd like to know what the big deal is about Dubai. Like, I've never actually been myself, but it just seems like an absolute cesspit at the moment of Z-listers, which is why it was so disappointing to see these WSL players linked to Dubai. Um, I do think it was a bit ill-fated, um, you know, you take your chances in this pandemic, it seems, and they came back with a positive test, probably thought it was a one in a million chance for them. And um, really, really disappointing. You expect a lot more from these girls. You know, like you only have to look back even 10 years to see how much it's grown. And to use your status like that, for me, is just pretty appalling. And even now, I think Casey Stoney's the only one that's come out and said, I'm really sorry. I gave them the clearance. I said they can go. You know, it was probably a, a poor judgment for me. And we haven't seen Man City and Arsenal say anything. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I was really, really pissed. And I'm not even going to apologise for saying that word because I was just thinking, what on earth possesses you to go away in the middle of a pandemic the way that you did? And I just, I didn't, I'm not expecting any apologies now from the individuals. You know, on reflection, they've got this image. They kind of want to keep it. They've got sponsorships. They've got their clubs. The clubs are probably, you know, penalising them, you know, behind closed, closed doors. That's probably where it's going to stay. But I do feel really sorry for the fans. You know, the fans that have been let down this weekend by not seeing their teams play. Been a bit of a rubbish Christmas. I've not been home for Christmas. I've been stuck in Tier 4 London, you know. It's just... Everyone's in the same boat. And I just don't get why these girls felt that they were any better to be, you know, just gallivanting off like they did. So, yeah, for me, it's a it's a really, really poor week in terms of the women's sport. You know, like we have Jade on at the moment who classed as non-elite, wants to play. And then you look at these girls who are just, you know, it's like they don't care, which is really, talk. really, really I, sad. I think, I think on, that, on that note, I think when you say about, I think in recent some of the, the recent articles about they haven't really done too many favours for, for the women's game. But in that respect, I think actually they're probably just behaving in an equal manner because it's not like none of the men have, have, haven't breached any of the COVID rules. So I don't think that they did it and didn't expect uh, to, to face the same, you know, not, not face the same scrutiny as the men. They've done it and, and I think they'll take full responsibility. Uh, and I, I guess it's just their way of saying, you know, you know, they're just behaving in, in an equal manner to the men. Um, some of them are a bit prima donna-ish. Um, I'm not saying that they were doing that. And they, they I suppose maybe that they got the go ahead and, and thought it was OK. Um, but they've done it and I, I'm sure they don't expect to be treated any differently. Jade, if Portsmouth ever had a winter break, would you, would you pick the... Uh... The influencer's choice of destination in Dubai. Do you tan well, Jade? Uh, I would prefer to go skiing. Uh, last year, I was told off uh, because I, I came back with a broken collarbone, so I'm not allowed to go skiing during the season. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> wow. You're not allowed to go on holiday I again. I guess you can't injure yourself on a boat, can you? So. No, exa- exactly. Yeah, I shouldn't <laughs> go skiing. But that is my... That is my my um, uh, destination of choice, <laughs> the Alps. You've clearly never been to Dubai. They've got boats in Dubai. It's a desert. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. 
I barely get out of the UK as it is. Emily, what are your thoughts on it? You're normally quite grounded on these matters. No, I. to be honest, I echo a lot of what Jade was saying there because I think what has been interesting over the last few days or so is to see what the media reaction has been. Because I think if this had happened even, say, three years ago, you wouldn't have got the reaction because at that point the game wasn't at the profile that it is at the moment. And it's been interesting to see that, OK, certainly I don't think it's been on the same level as if it was the men's equivalent clubs, to be honest, and individuals from there. But the coverage has still been pretty, pretty big and people have been talking about it. You've had journalists debating it across social media, a lot of conflicting views. Um, as you said, Casey Stoney is the one that's come out and apologised and got a bit of kudos for that. And rightly so, I think, you know, held her hands up, made an error and, and being really honest about it. But yeah, I think it's it's quite an in, when you take away what's actually happened, it's been interesting to see it unfold. Um from a from a media profile perspective, really, and I guess it's it's a mark of where the game is that people are interested and and as Liv alluded to, actually pretty angry about it. And there's almost a little bit of a segregation, I think, for the first time between supporters of the women's game and some of the the players at the top end. Yeah, you don't want that Hannah do where there's kind of there is that disconnect because the big thing about the women's game is the fans and players are all together and there's that there's not that big time about it, but with some of the players jetting off to Dubai and, and kind of doing their own thing and, and running that risk, it kind of alienated a few fans, hasn't it? Yeah, I think that the fans have been really, really angry about it, perhaps in a way that you haven't seen in the men's game. I don't know. I feel like the furore about some of the men's players going off hasn't felt as big as the women's game. And I think it maybe is to do with how the women's game is developing and the fans are very invested. I think everybody has to put a lot a lot into it to get not a lot out of it you know there's not as much media coverage fans are super invested it's harder to watch it and so I guess there's like people are just maybe more disappointed because it's the first time that we've seen and obviously like these players are human I mean I I agree with Liv that I think it's very misguided I don't like I don't know why you'd think to go away at the moment but at the same time like you know everybody makes mistakes but I don't think that we've seen them platformed like this before and I'm sure eventually it will blow over but I think it has been really interesting the divide that it's caused. It's not like they've openly put on their social media on their Instagram account posing as a team photo that we saw some of the men's team at Christmas time. I saw those in, in the newspapers and I think it was like they, they weren't so so bold in, in, in what they maybe had done. Uh, perhaps because they'd been given the go-ahead that they thought thought it was okay. I don't know if it's it was branded as like a business trip. Uh, I don't know whether there's any truth in that. Um, so I don't know if they, they actually thought that they were breaking the rules. Yeah, you can't condone their actions, but they've done it um, and they probably won't be the last people to do it either. Like, listen, we're going to show up every week. The media are going to show up every week you know, sort of promote the game. We still love, like, watching the women's game. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, we're all human. And, you know, for me, there's just that transparency to not have, like, some sort of formal apology. But, you know, maybe it'll come in the next few days or so. But, um, yeah, I think it's best to move on, draw a line under the sand. Um, please not the Dubai sand, though. Like, let's just... <laughs> 
let's just stay in the UK, get on with the football. It's already a very congested schedule for the women's game, which is incredible to be talking about, you know, in 2021 to see, you know, the level that it's at at the moment. And, um, you know, like we, ju we just don't want to see these mistakes. And like I think Hannah and Emily have said, you don't want to sort of draw away from the fans because they're the ones that have been like holding up the game for so long. You know, they wait at the end of the matches to have pictures with the players. And I respect the girls for coming out. And, you know, you probably don't get that in the men's Premier League game. You can't say, you know, my next door neighbour has met Harry Kane like 10, 15 times. He always comes out. Like, that's the difference with the women's game. They do care about the fans. And I know that the fans are pretty hurt by what's going on, I, you know, just based on what I've seen on social media. But, you know, it's the best thing to do right now is just to forgive don't forget and just don't do it again. Wise words there from Liv. And we'll move always. on. Always, yeah, always. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the teams vying to get into the WSL in the Women's Championship. There was three games on Sunday. The, the most mouthwatering game was Leicester, who were currently top. They took on Sheffield United. And it's somebody we talk about a lot. We're hoping to get her on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. Tasha Flynn, she scored the winner in what was a 2-1 win for Leicester over Sheffield United in the end. And uh, another massive win for Leicester. They're looking good. Yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a huge win, isn't it? I think especially as you look at the table now that they've got that, they're, they're three points clear now of Durham, same number of games played. Um, and I know they've made a lot of investment. Um, they've looked very good. They've been very, very consistent, just lost the one game. Um, and yeah, I think that was really, really important for them today, especially because they're playing against Sheffield United, who also are a very, very good team and, and probably would have fancied themselves to get something during that game. So, yeah, a brilliant day for them, really. And, and they're looking good and, and in the driving seat right now. I think it was their sixth win in a row today, which is quite something, and especially in the Women's Championship, which is super competitive at the top. So they're looking very, very strong contenders for promotion, I think. Yeah, and pretty bittersweet for um, Jonathan Morgan to be named the, you know, manager of the month, Tash Flint, player of the month, start 2021 in the, with a bang in a wing. Absolutely. And right behind him still at Durham, who are still unbeaten, yet they are, they are only in second place. They travelled, they made a long trip as well down to Lewis. Uh, what a trip that is. Uh, and then ultimately it finished a draw um, and the, the goal scoring was opened there by Bridget Galloway for Durham, but it was cancelled out by Katie Rood in the end, uh, the New Zealander who's uh, signed from Bristol City in the summer. Uh, so it's a draw there down in Sussex and uh, Mittal, who appears on the podcast every now and again, he caught up with the Lewis manager, Simon Parker, after the game. Simon, one will draw, a new year, new start. Are you happy with the result today? Yeah, on the whole, I think a point is a fair result over the, the two halves. I think... Um, yeah, yeah, definitely happy with it, um, especially after the first game of the season when we played them and lost 3-0. I do believe that when the momentum shift, we could have potentially gone on to get a winner if, you know, just a bit more quality and better decisions in certain moments. But yes, yeah, 1-0 was a good result. Um, what was the difference between the game that you had Newark against? What were the lessons were learned from the first game of the season when you lost 3-0 to them and from today's result? Well, the first game where we lost 3-0, we essentially were hard to break down and, and they, I didn't see them finding a way through us and then they got a soft penalty. But I still don't believe it was a penalty, I am a bit biased. Um, and then once they scored that, it was, it was quite late in the game, I think around the 80th minute. 
and then we conceded two late goals in the 90 like second and fourth minute so it was a 3-0 but it doesn't really tell the story of it so essentially the lessons that we learned from it was that we we can keep them at bay we can be hard to break down um, and we just wanted to offer a little bit more in possession and not be you know as as passive um, obviously the first half didn't necessarily go to plan when you concede in seven minutes off of a corner which was really poor but um, the second half, I think, I think we we did that. We were still defensively solid, and we were just a little bit better on the ball than we had been previously. Um, we've seen in the first half we didn't really have much of a clear-cut chances, and then the second half you guys had some clear-cut chances, and and some of them were kind of def well defended by Durham. Um, what needs to be done to convert those kind of ch uh, those kind of goal-scoring chances to goals? Just more more work on the training pitch. I mean, it's really frustrating that in training we are so much better on the ball than we are here, and I don't know if it's a confidence thing and a bravery thing. So potentially, it's just this result can maybe help help bring that on. The, the bravery of, for example, the fullbacks getting forward, joining the attack, the players getting on the ball. It's going to give us more opportunities in games. And then the more obviously we get, the more chance we have of scoring and converting those. So I think it's just a, a process at the moment. First start creating them, because we haven't created a lot of chances all the way through the season. Um, so yeah, if we can just, just work on that, better decisions in the uh, key moments, then yeah. What's, uh, what's Lewis's and the, and the squad's New Year's resolutions for the second half of the season? We did set a couple of targets at the start of the year, just like mini targets where you can look at the table and see. For example, we would like to have a positive goal difference, we would like to have more goals than games, and we would like to be in the top three teams defensively in the league. And at the moment, we're not actually hitting any of those. Um, we're doing all right, but we're not hitting those. So that's a little mini target carrying on. And at the same time, we want to better the results we had in the first half. So, for example, a 3 0 loss against Durham, we've got a draw today, so that's an improvement. So, if we can you know, improve the results each time we play, then, then that's, that's our target. And it was actually going to be the skipper's birthday tomorrow, Rian Cleverly. So, um, was she happy with the point today? Yeah, she is. I mean, she's a, she's a winner. She wants to win, so obviously she's a little disappointed that we didn't, didn't go on to win the game, especially with how the game kind of swung. But but yeah, she's happy yeah, with a point. What's the positive, key positives going to take up in the next game? Um, that we were braver on the ball um, in the second half, that we had a little bit more intensity, that we we matched uh, a side that is renowned for being physical. We matched them. Um, and just that we, we showed the, the character to come back from one nil down against the team at second in the league. So I think yeah, we can take a few positives from that. And that was Simon Parker and Emily for Lewis. That's a, a vital draw and a good draw as well, a positive draw. Yeah, it certainly is, isn't it? It's really, really positive. I mean, Durham are, are a very strong team, as we know. I think, again, when you look at their record this season, they've drawn five of their 12 games, which, looking at it now, that could could ultimately cost them, I think, probably draw a few too many games. But then at the same time, they've not lost yet. So, yeah, very, very good point for, for Lewis. And, and they are one of those teams, aren't they, in the middle of the table that are, that are pretty strong. And you think if they could go on a bit of a run, they might have a chance. So certainly, I, I think, probably promotion would would be beyond them but they can certainly look to finish in, in you know the sort of top top three top four I would say interestingly I know I know you will get onto it later and you you're big on sort of the um the equality side and why should the women's game be treated differently well Lewis is actually one of the clubs where the men and the women are treated the same aren't they yeah yes they are yes um and and I don't expect to be you know paid the same uh, at all but they are certainly making some good arguments for more equality within the game, um, and uh, yeah, just 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 to to 
increase the awareness of the of the issues that some of the women face um the situation we're currently in with some some of the decisions they've made with the, with the FA Cup or, or we're waiting to, to be made um perhaps if there was something more in place uh to, to safeguard women when from, from, from discrimination and inequality uh then we wouldn't be in some of the situations that we're in yeah, we'll get onto that very shortly. The final game in the Championship was London City Lionesses. They drew nil-nil against Crystal Palace and stopped. Was shown two yellow cards in that game and was sent off. Over five million homes are at risk of flooding, yet many people don't realise they're in danger. Even if you've never been flooded before, it can happen to you. Protect your family and home. Prepare, act, survive. Prepare a bag including medicines and insurance documents. Act by moving important items upstairs or as high as possible. Survive by listening to emergency services. Search what to do in a flood and sign up to flood warnings on gov.uk. Now, as we mentioned earlier, non-elite football, uh, anything below the championship is classed as non-elite football. That has, again, been shelved for a while while the, um, the lockdown is on. And I know, obviously... Uh, that has hit the likes of Portsmouth very hard, Jade. I know you were responding to um, Helen Ward as well. Who, even though Helen Ward plays for Wales and he's elite when she plays for Wales, she plays for Watford, so she's non-elite. And she's become very disillusioned, hasn't she? She says she's thinking of retiring. Yeah, I mean, um, I can understand. She's um, she, she would probably still compete in very well within, within the Championship or even the WSL. Um, which, it, which is why it's such a shame. So the FA Cup, for example, would be another opportunity where she can uh, play against um, maybe more experienced players or, or, or uh, more higher profile players. Um, and, and she would shine against many, many teams. So, yeah, I think, I think she's, she, she's spoken to you uh, about, about possibly retiring from her career. She's got children. Um, which, which is she's now missed. Uh, this would be uh, possibly the second season that will be declared null and void. So you know if that happens, that's two seasons down the drain, effectively um, that have been disrupted so much. Uh, and she is probably thinking, well, I'm you know approaching mid thirties. Um, maybe it's time to to call it a day, really, because. The, the more time you have off, the harder it is to get back into it. What's the talk amongst the dressing room? At Portsmouth, I know you you were making a point on Twitter that you actually play and train at Haven at Waterlooville's ground, and yeah. they're allowed to carry on because they're classed as elite. They're getting the grants and stuff, whereas you're not allowed to. Yeah, so um, we we train at Haven at Waterlooville's ground. We share the same ground. They they get COVID. They've uh, been granted COVID testing by the FA, um, so they can continue training and play. But we can't, and, and we share the same facility, so we know that it's COVID secure. Um, but our league, we've been um, branded as uh, non-elite or amateur. Uh, so I was reading, I was reading up on on some of the when we had the restructure of the leagues, uh, and they 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 showed us uh, all the information on the the, the PDFs. And uh, there was a recent one from June two thousand and twenty, uh, and it said um, the league provided uh, more experienced players with the opportunity to play at a semi-professional level. So that's in the uh, FA Women's National League. So the third tier of women's football that I play in. So it seems like when it suits, they're quite happy to brand us as semi-professional, which I would say was was in the elite category. And 
when it suits them, we're not. I, I, I think they're just they're just picking and choosing choosing when when, when it suits. It's an interesting debate, isn't it? I mean, you've kind of been in and around the FA, Emily. I mean, what's kind of, obviously it's changed a lot since you were at the FA and there's a lot more recognition now, but what are your thoughts on it all? I mean, should the likes of the National League carry on? I think the one thing I would say, I think at the moment, the huge thing, and, and especially since the turn of the new year where we've got this more transmissible form of the virus, I think you're seeing it across a lot of sports and certainly in football. And you, there's even talk at Premier League men's level, you know, kind of, I guess, within the media and within the wider public, like, should this really be carrying on now? And I appreciate that this conversation is different because this non-elite status is something that's applied throughout the pandemic it's not a recent introduction so I think the one thing I would say I think although it although it must be frustrating for individuals involved and teams involved and the teams at the wrong end that want to play that ultimately the focus is on the health and well-being and the safety of the players which is is something that's really really difficult to control I think in sort of semi-professional environments I know there's not always consistency across the men's and women's game which is where the frustrations come in. But I think it, it is really, really difficult because I guess all you need is an outbreak at a club or at a couple of clubs. And then I guess that could that could potentially impact on the lead, league moving forward and for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I, I do agree that there, there has to be a line drawn somewhere. Um, and I understand there must be so many administrative challenges, uh, especially when it comes to the league. And that's where I think many clubs particularly in the National League, sort of saw the FA Cup as our final hope to, to, to get back to training and have some sort of competition. And, and the FA Cup is, 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 is perfect. Everyone competes in it. Um, but that's where we, the backbone of the argument is, is that the FA have quite happily made quick decisions for teams like Marine Football Club, who fantastic to them, they played tonight, um, and they've provided COVID testing and, and an environment for them to still participate in the competition. But it seems they're, they're struggling to come to any decision for women. Uh, and they're not, they're not happy to dip into their pockets for it. Uh, I don't understand why they're finding it so difficult to make a decision. It, 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 it baffles me that, that they, can, they can be so quick for the men, but yet with women, what are we are we more at risk than them? I don't think we are. So I don't I don't see the difficulty in the decision. But how many, Jade, in your team alone, if you had an outbreak, can you look at sort of how, how many of you are in the team? Because obviously this weekend we've seen COVID spread across the WSL and because of the new rules with the government, they can't call up, you know, they can, Casey Stoney's done it for a few players uh, just so they can start training the academy train players. But, you know, if, if you do have an outbreak in your first team, do you have sort of the extra 10, 11, 12 players to fulfil that match as well? Uh, well, we've got the, the development squad, uh, which I believe are, are all registered. Uh, so, yeah, we would we would have to call upon the development squad. But, yeah, we, we, we do have depth in the squad uh, that would enable us to, to, to compete, I'd imagine. Um, um, the manager uh, Jay, he he hasn't said that there'd be the problem be a problem um, in fulfilling any fixtures. We'd manage it within within the squad. Um, he's fully supportive. Wants the cup to be back on, uh, you know, as it should be. Uh, the the talk of the tossing of the coin. I think that just 
brings the integrity of the competition into into a negative light. I was going to get onto that. You, you described it as playground tiddlywinks on Twitter, didn't you? And it does seem an odd way of yeah. trying to decide the FA Cup in that it's either drawing of what's or a coin toss. Like you say, it wouldn't happen in the men's game, would it? No, I think um, I can't remember who, who Fiona. I'm not sure of her surname. Uh, reported on it um, and said that it was it was something that dated back to the 1870s. Uh, the last time that it happened uh, in the men's FA Cup, they wouldn't they wouldn't think of tossing a coin. It would never be decided by tossing a coin. Um, so the fact that they're even suggesting that is it's just an insult to everyone who competes in the competition. So, yeah. you know, if, if you can't find a reasonable solution, then uh, to maintain the integrity of the competition uh, and ensure that clubs don't suffer financially, then, you know, maybe they need to, to spread it evenly. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not sure what the solution will be if we can't all compete safely. Uh, maybe they need to scrap it and, and distribute the, the, the funds. Yeah, Fiona Thomas from the Daily Telegraph is, is the article that you're on about. It's a really yeah. interesting read if you do get a chance to read that. Um, it's a, it's such a difficult situation, as I say. It's um, I was going to say it's it's something we've not come across before, but we kind of came across it back in the last season when the decision was made. So they have got experience in this now, haven't they? Yeah, they, they do have a, a lot of experience. And, and I think we all knew that this was going to potentially happen you know the second wave um that we could go into another lockdown uh so they could have have had maybe a contingency plan in place to enable them to make quick decisions like they have managed to do for the men uh less disruption to to our training so should the cup be back on as normal we're all sat here uh idle not training whilst the elite teams are able to train as normal. And if we compete in, in the same cup, you know, we're, we're then at a disadvantage, really, uh, because, because we've been unable to train. So um, had they actually had more planning um, and foreseen what, what could possibly happen, they would have been able to make a quick decision for everyone. I don't think they've even considered the women's game at all. And also, I doubt you'd have a coin toss once at the championship in the... WSL teams coming, for example, would you? Well, yeah, exactly. It, uh, it, it just you, you would have never put that. It, this is obviously a sort of last ditch. What are we going to do because we haven't thought of anything? Thought. It reminds me of. Does anyone remember? I think it was a couple of seasons ago. Man City were playing, and the referee forgot his coin. And in, does anyone remember? And instead of flipping a yeah. coin, he made them do rock paper scissors. <laughs> And I remember the uproar and he got a suspension, I think, and told to apologise. And I can't believe in, you know, like with this cup, we're now discussing a like the same kind of like barbaric sort of way to decide when a team should be playing football. It's just baffling, you know, like it's 2021. We're seeing, we're meant to be seeing the investment that the FA are giving the Lionesses. We're meant to be seeing like the pyramid of the championship of, you know, like your divisions all coming up and having more support. And it's like we've gone one step forward and two steps back. Mm. I honestly don't. Is that another? Carry on. Sorry. No, I was going to say, is that another suggestion, Luke? Um, a paper scissor rock? Is that to another fair, way of right? deciding? My, my colleague and I, when we get given like a really rubbish task, 
to do we either do rock paper scissors or if we're feeling like we have enough time we'll play a game of chess I shouldn't really I shouldn't really say that because I should be working (laughs) but you know we're talking about someone processing an invoice we're not talking about a team playing a game of football in what's meant to be sort of like a professional environment so for me it's silly it's the professionalism uh that really does get me they they just they they have not prepared at all at all that they have not considered the women's fa cup in any shape or form obviously because that's why we're in the scenario that we're in it just it all this recent um equality and eliminating discrimination or everything that we've seen recently especially they've really picked it up with uh black lives matter um we're constantly seeing it all over um and it just seems like that's just a a facade now that that was just a tick boxing exercise to say okay yeah we're seen to be doing the right thing but really if they did you know want to uphold those principles we wouldn't see um them discriminating against our opportunities to compete in the fa cup they would have made a decision ahead of time i just think i think there's a real lack of flexibility when it comes to these categories and and kind of facilitating the women's game because it is at a different stage so they should be as you say like coming up with a contingency plan and having thought it through like it there i think there's really no excuse for it if i'm honest and it like with the coin toss it just baffles me that that someone in the fa has even had a conversation and that's become to the press like it's just so embarrassing the contingency yeah. plan is to get emily back at the fa and she can sort it out for us <laughs> <laughs> exactly well on that note um hannah emily Liv, and jade many thanks for joining us this week even though it's been a shorter one, it has been a very interesting chat. And uh, Jade, good luck for the rest of the season. If you do get started again, thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts. Until then, look after yourselves and we'll be back very soon.